You're probably going to hate us, but we're conservative Christian moms. We are here to empower other conservative Christian moms to speak up, say what's true, and defend their children's futures. Hey, I'm Amy, and I'm the often too serious mother of twins. I'm Candy Rose, and I'm the often too honest mother of three. And I'm Nikki, and I'm the often too emotional mother of two. For most of us, legalism has an icky, loveless, judgmental undertone. We think of legalism as the opposite of freedom and the opposite of grace and mercy, which Jesus embodies. But most people wouldn't call themselves legalistic. Even among Christians, everyone has different boundaries and lines they draw around their habits, their life values, and mode of operating. So how do we define legalism so that we don't become modern-day Pharisees? And why do we mention legalism so much on this podcast? (laughs) Pull up a chair. Let's discuss. I'm actually really excited for this topic, you guys. You're right. We mention it a lot. And so this past week, I I don't know if you guys have ever read Francine Rivers at all. Oh, yes. Okay. So, yeah. So I've been rereading the Mark of the Lion series, my all time favorite. But interestingly enough, something weird happened to me when I was reading it this time. I felt like there it wasn't legalism, but I felt like whoa, these are huge standards that the main character, Hadassah, who's a slave girl who's living fervently for Jesus, has. And it was the scene in particular. Sorry if this is a spoiler for anyone. You should read the book. But there's a scene in the book where Marcus has asked, the, the love interest of our main character has asked for her to be freed so that he can marry her. And she has to say no for the story to pan out. But this time, for the first time, after rereading this dozens of times, I'm like, I can't believe you just said no. That would not be a thing in our, like, I don't know if I've been walking in too much freedom or how all of a sudden this part where I was like, yes, Hadassah, choose your God always. All of a sudden I was like, girl, just marry the dude and, you know, it'll come. (laughs) But, you know, she does say that passage of do not be yoked to an unbeliever mm-hmm. and she's she's absolutely correct but i would say that nowadays maybe that wouldn't happen you know i, I know lots of christian women that marry non-christian men and they pray that they're justified through their faith yeah so it was just an interesting i just wanted to throw it out there because i was struck differently yeah. for the first time i was like it's should have married I had, <laughs> the last time i read those books nikki i was actually listening to them i like to read and listen to my very favorite books and those are good And I remember thinking the same thing, like, oh, my gosh, this is it. But I do believe she shows incredible wisdom. She makes the harder, better choice, which I think you're right. A lot of us wouldn't make because the love interest, Marcus, is like, I'll worship your God. I'll do whatever you want. But she doesn't want him to worship God for the love of her. You know, she wants him to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, which is great wisdom. We just don't always show a lot of great wisdom. So all that to say, I landed on knowing we're going to talk about legalism, that radical obedience is what God has called us to. However, radical obedience has to be done out of a heart of love and not out of a sense of obligation. So obviously I shouldn't, if it were me, if I were the slave girl Hadassah in that moment, and I was like, oh, I can't marry you because God says I shouldn't be yoked to an unbeliever. God does not desire that. That is not what God desires. 
And so where I've landed, and maybe we should I should have waited towards the end of this, but like God is calling his people to radical obedience. And I do think that we are responsible for more and more as we are aware and as we're in relationship with him, we're responsible for more obedience. So the difference between legalism and following the rule of what or what the law of God or what he's calling us to live is love. And that only comes in relationship to God. So the challenging thing is most of the time when people are being legalistic, they're technically right. <laughs> However, it's the heart and how they're walking out that obedience. You, you can't tell somebody how to walk. Yes, I would argue. <laughs> and I know Amy has so many good points. But Nikki, to what you're saying, I would argue legalism comes in enforcing your feelings and beliefs on somebody else. So Hadassah wasn't enforcing anything on anybody else. She knew in her heart and in her mind what Jesus had commanded her to do. And she she made the right choice. But legalism, in my opinion, comes in when somebody who's not Jesus comes in and is like, you're doing the wrong thing. You shouldn't have done that. It does. But what they're saying is biblical. Like most of the time when people are saying legalistic things, they're telling you the word of God. And Sometimes. they're telling you that they believe you should be walking out. In my circumstance, I've never had somebody tell me something that's not biblical. They're like, ooh, you shouldn't be doing this. Like, let's say you're drinking and someone's like, ooh, you're drinking. Or, a, you know, a church corrects you because they see you holding a red solo cup. Technically, the Bible says you should avoid the appearance of evil. Technically, the Bible said, not technically, accurately, it says, but God didn't, they shouldn't be policing you. So I think, oh, sorry, go. This is so good. This is what this I, is. This is super <laughs> interesting because we're like crossing the line in, but it's like in we're crossing the line into keeping each other accountable, which actually is a really important biblical thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that there's a difference between saying the words the Bible says and saying something that's biblical. Yep. I agree. So a great example of that is like last week you were talking about, you know, anxiety and depression and how sometimes you have people tell you like, well, that's not you know, don't do that. The Bible says don't whatever they throw that verse at you about like anxiety and casting your fears on the Lord. And that might be textually accurate, but it doesn't make it a biblical belief. Right. So and that is so much. I'm very interested in the Pharisees right now because I'm learning a lot more about like Jewish culture and, and understanding them better and seeing the ways that I am that way, because there's such a they're so demonized, but like a lot of their culture came out of a strong desire to be set apart and to be holy and to follow God's law and all of that stuff. And so anyway, a lot of what the Pharisees did was they were they were so accurate all the time, but they were not living biblically. They were not living the heart of God, right? They were just constantly accurate. And that is not biblical. So I don't know. It's a weird distinction, yeah. but it is a weird distinction. Amy, I like that. I've been reading through, I know I've seen my podcast, all the podcording, um, the Bible with Tara Lee Koppel and the Bible recap. And so we're finishing up Deuteronomy now. So we've been through Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy, um, which <laughs> super fun, guys. <laughs> um, but I just keep like God keeps reminding me as I'm reading all the rules and the blessings and the curses and all this. At the heart of it, I think he's, I think he's teaching us these rules are unattainable. We are fallen and broken. So, right, the Pharisees wanted to be really, really strict and we have to follow the rules. But I think in some respect, the rules are there to show us we can't do it. 
we can't do it. There's no way for us to follow all the rules. And that is why. Yeah, absolutely. I was just listening to something about the problem of evil and why is evil here? And so that's a whole other conversation. But regardless of the reality of why it's here, why why it is we have evil in our hearts, it is the reality. And absolutely, I think the law was was only ever going to be fulfilled by Jesus, you know? And so it's just a constant reminder of like our need for relationship and our need for rightness with God. I don't know. I think for me, a lot of legalism or what we, I know we haven't even really like defined legalism. I think for me, the heart of the issue when people feel legalistic is, um, you know, Jesus Mm -hmm. in coming to fulfill the law, it's, it's a, I feel over and over again, he's trying to teach us it's the heart, it's the heart. So when people come across legalistic and uncaring, like Amy, a great example last week when we were talking about depression, anxiety. People just throwing Bible over. I, I think maybe the intention is good, but there's the heart is not there. The love is not there. There's not empathy and compassion for someone else's situation. It's just, well, this is what the Bible says. Get over it. So I think there's got to be heart and love. So there's a, a church I've alluded to it before, and I'm actually going to talk about it later because there's a really good one that I'm going to link about rule of life, which is something I want to get into in a minute. But this morning I was listening to a man who... He defines himself as a gay man who had to encounter, he, he is coming to the church to sort of talk about the validity of the Bible and why do we trust it and why do we decide it's true. And he was talking about how he had to encounter the relational element of the Bible. He had to sit with the Bible and experience it before he could understand its depth and its truth. And it has transformed his life. He still defines himself as a gay man, but he's celibate. And he talks about like the just the deep fulfillment and passionate relationship he has with Jesus that makes his celibacy not oppressive, but just total freedom. It's a super Aww. it's so interesting. Oh my gosh. But he I'm talks totally about the Pharisees and yeah. So he talks about how the Pharisees, they after the second temple, like after they didn't have a temple, that it was a cultural thing to sort of believe that the word was where the temple lived. And so that's part of why they would like wrap it in their hair and put it in their clothes. They always wanted to have the word with them because for them, it was like the only way they could feel or felt that they could be in communion with God at all times. And then Jesus comes and the Pharisees are throwing these accuracies or these texts at him. And he's saying, you're so obsessed with the text that you forgot to come to me. You're not even willing to meet me which is the whole point of the text. (laughs) And that for me, like I have spent a lot of time in my life growing up in the church feeling like I never want to be religious. For me, legalism and religiousness are very tied together. together. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not like I've many times over my life told people who don't know Jesus, oh, I'm not religious. No, I'm not religious, but I do love Jesus and I am a Bible believer. Like, let's just let's make those distinct because I'm not religious. Yeah. And I've been so obsessed with like not wanting to be tied to like weird religious stuff. Um, But I think the heart of of what was happening with the Pharisees and what happens with people that are tied to legalism is that they're so disconnected from the relational element of the Bible and how to live right. You know, so I don't know. That was that was kind of an epiphany for me this morning listening. to them. Wow, that's so interesting. 
Oh, I can't wait to listen to it. I haven't yet, but I'm going to. I know I have it in my queue too. It's it's so interesting because like as you're reading the New Testament, like it's like Candace, what you were saying was that or how I heard what you were saying was that like it's Jesus and it's love and it's grace. But the danger in teaching that only is then God still desires obedience, even though he's come to even though he fulfilled the law. So I feel like the reason some people or at least what I perceive people grabbing onto legalism and being religious is because we have this pendulum of people being like, oh, it's just grace and love and rainbows and, you know, unicorns. <laughs> and then you have sort of a pseudo relationship with God where you get to live and do whatever you want. And he kind of like ju- you're justified because he died and gave it all. So I th- I feel like there I totally agree with you. Like it is about love. It is about grace. But if we don't have like the discipleship piece where you're teaching people how to be in relationship with God, then they don't learn that God is requiring. And I don't think I think the reason Hadassah in that book made me question it is because she kept saying, like, I lose my life so I can gain. You know, she really talked about it like if it was life and death, like if Mm -hmm. I don't obey my God, I won't inherit the the kingdom. That's the way if you go back and read that whole section of her denying Marcus. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I've never heard or felt it this serious before. I was like, Mm -hmm. girl, God's going to forgive you. And so I wonder, like culturally, have we embraced too much of like, oh, this is hard. I know what God's calling me to, but grace. So that's where I was kind of starting to be like, how? And I know it says in the Bible, I can't remember where, but we are responsible for different amounts. Maybe God is requiring more of me. And in that book, she's a fictional character, but maybe he was requiring more of her. But the pendulum, I think the danger is we end up with like universalists who are like, everything goes because of grace. And so my dilemma as I become more obedient because I walk in a relationship with God, and then it's easy to be prideful maybe because you're like, hey, you're not walking in obedience. So maybe people who are further in their walk and who are obeying God out of love then see people who are not as mature in their faith, not living it out. And then maybe that's where legalism starts leaking out because you're like, whoa, God's calling us not to do that. Yes, grace and love, but like you are not obeying what God has called us to. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't know. It's, it's just thoughts that I'm Yeah, all good, having. all good thoughts. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if Amy or Nikki, one of you said that um, I do believe depending on where you are and your walk with Jesus, right, more is required. required. Yeah, um, there's a verse in James that says, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So that's a sin. If if you're walking closer with God and you know that God has told you nothing and you do do it, no matter what it is, that's sinning. And I, I don't, I don't even think we need to go into specifics with it. But if you're a young believer, you're, you know, it's just we. There's not, there can't be one line all across the board, which maybe sounds wrong because everything you're saying, Nikki, is true. Like God calls us to obedience and all these things, but. I think that there is grace and mercy, and it depends on where you're at in your Well, we're always being sanctified, right? So that sanctification is like, for all of us, we're all at different points in that journey. Yeah. But that made me think of a couple things. I mean, there's a difference between condemnation yeah. and accountability. Yeah. And God did not come. Jesus himself said, I did not come to condemn, you know, praise God. But so we, we don't yeah, have the right I to don't... condemn each other. 
Yeah, absolutely. And don't feel like I'm saying you have to be obedient. Like, I feel like oh, it's no, coming across no. like I'm saying that. No, I'm it's just not. saying, okay, cool. What I, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. but what I mean is from what I'm reading, God is calling us to obedience and I'm wrestling yes. with those things. So, and so in context of legalism, it's like I'm wrestling with, okay, this is weird because uh, not all legalism, Candace, you're right. There are some times when people are just being stupid and, <laughs> holding you to stuff that you're like, you're just judging me and using yeah. the word. To well, judge and me. people twist um, the Bible all the time. That is mm. common. People use the Bible verses and twist them to their own agenda. So even being, I would caution being discipled, like you should always be ready to ask questions and dig in. But for example, maybe this isn't a good example. For example, our modesty talk, like we have different convictions on that. And maybe somebody might think that having a very stringent view on modesty and morality would be legalistic, but you're not imposing that on anybody else. But somebody might think, oh, man, poor her. She's doing that to herself. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't need to do. I don't know. I, I'm just thinking because I've done not in the modesty talk, but in other issues, I've thought somebody's like, oh, wow, they're. Poor things or they're mired up in something, but maybe God's called them to that. I don't know. So I, this has just been an interesting topic for me this morning as I was walking around doing my stuff. I was just like, it, it's both like you were probably wrong, but you're probably right. That one yeah. thing that you're always saying. <laughs> yeah. That line. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you think, you're probably, you're probably right. right. <laughs> well, I think the other, here's the other thing we're talking about being accountable for what we know or accountable. I mean, that made me think of the idea of being hot or cold or lukewarm. and when you're in relationship with Jesus and you're being sanctified, you are hopefully, and and I think seeking after, being hot for what he's asking you to do. <laughs> like There's a constant sense of, there's a constant humility, there's a constant repentance, there's a constant sense of like, what should I be doing? And, and if you're not doing that, you're lukewarm. Mm. And so that is, that's a really bad place to be, you know? And so this whole conversation, this struggle, I think is part of, it's just part of the walk. Yeah. And that's, that's where good. we have to have a really strong sense of, and I think people hear from us a lot on this podcast is like, we don't come to judge because even saying someone's legalistic it's is- It's a judgment. It's a judgment and yeah. we might be wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is part of this conversation is like, yeah. well, that would be legalistic for me. Like, me that would be- out. Right. <laughs> but that might not be legalistic for you. You might be wiser than me or you might have a specific like conviction. a specific not well conviction too but maybe there's an area like for instance if someone's and someone uh does not drink. Some people might see that as legalistic. But that person might be a recovering alcoholic or they might have had an abusive alcoholic father or they whatever. And so for that person that is or a God told them not to drink <laughs> or God just told them. Right. So like it would be judgmental to say that they're legalistic, yeah. but it would be legal. What would actually be legalistic of them is to have no conviction around it, but read something in the Bible, decide that it's abhorrent and then tell everyone all the time that they should not drink because it's sinful. Like that's legalism, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But living and walking humbly in a place where you feel like you're being obedient with grace and mercy for everyone else's walk is that's a, the idea, right? Isn't yeah. that like our goal? <laughs> it's the heart posture. It's so funny. That reminded me um, this past Sunday, Sharon Glasgow, our pastor, was talking about 
how there was a guy that started coming to church and he was an alcoholic. And he, she said, you could smell the alcohol on him every Sunday. And, but he mm. would, he had this anointing and he would lay hands on people and pray for them and they would be healed. But she was like, we can't have this guy praying for people. You can smell the alcohol <laughs> on his breath. And she was just wrestling with this. But then the Lord checked her in her spirit like, hey, I'm working on that in him. But look what he's doing mm. in my name. And That's I, cool. yeah, yeah. And it just reminded me what you were just saying, because maybe she could have allowed that, like her heart to be like, oh, he's drinking. We can't allow this. And that would have stopped people from being healed and saved and being blessed. And then God sorted all that rest of that out. So it's definitely heart posture. (laughs) And on the other hand, isn't, doesn't she have some responsibility to have considered it, to have prayed about it, to have considered like, maybe I need to be keeping him accountable. Maybe, maybe there's a man that he needs to get connected to that they can be talking about this, right? Like, so there's still that community of like, we can't just be like, it's fine. <laughs> no, no, no. And she didn't. But it was an of interesting story. Yeah. It sounds it like she handled it so well. Yeah. You know. Yeah. But it's like it's both and. It's like both, both the and. obedience and the grace and the mercy. It's such a Well, tension. I like um Amy, what you said at the the further I go in my Christian walk, that is what God reminds me over and over again. It's all over the Bible. He wants us walking in humility. And I think Sharon did such a yes. <laughs> I think such a good story. It's a great story. I love that she was humble enough to not make a knee jerk reaction like, oh, my gosh, this drunk is praying over people. But to be humble enough to go to God and be like, I don't know what to do that. And I think it was a beautiful example because I feel like maybe what feels legalistic is churches take that stance a lot. Like they will make a decision and disqualify people, which feels legalistic because (laughs) she had to weigh in the relationship, what he was doing, the fruit, how she could help him, disciple him. I I don't know. I think basically legalism is a lack of love, a lack of relationship and relationship with each other as we walk together and a lack of relationship with God who's called us to obedience, but first of all, to love. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I agree. It's just crazy. It's so good. But I struggle with it because I feel like I want to follow all the rules, but my flesh doesn't want to follow all the rules. So I'm (laughs) like, I'm in constant battle with myself. Like you read the Bible and you're like, oh, this is what it says. And it says, if you love me, you'll follow my commands. And then you're like, help me love you, Lord. (laughs) So I'm wrestling this all out myself. I have, I feel like the part of me that has been so hurt by legalism and staunchly I don't know, triggered, you know, by by legalism is being healed. And I have almost been having like a what's the word I'm looking for? A renaissance within myself of desiring more traditional stuff. (laughs) And I think this is actually happening kind of across the world. I mean, if you look at church history, we there is a pendulum swing between these things. And I think we're going back as a church body to like some other stuff. But specifically, I have been learning about the rule of life, which is this concept that comes out of John 15. There's a lot of people, if you Google it, I'll link link one from Dave Lomas at Reality San Francisco. But there's a lot of people that talk about this. I just think he does it really well. But rule of life came from John 15, where it talks about, you know, I am the true vine, whoever wants Mm -hmm. to be in me, you remain in me, and you're going to get pruned and all that stuff. Amazing passage. Rule is another word in I think it's the second or third century monks who sort of came up with this idea. But rule is another word for the structure that vines sit on, the trellis. 
And the idea here is the vine, grapevines, if they lay on the ground, they will not flourish and bear fruit. Mm -hmm. They're going to rot and be nasty, right? So they have to be up on something on a structure. And so these early monks sort of tried to find ways and systems for understanding how do we, what's the structure we hang our life on? so that we can bear fruit, so that we can remain in the vine, so that we can flourish and remain in Jesus. And that concept is called rule of life. So I've been really working through, for instance, a trigger for me forever growing up in the church was quiet time. Mm. I'm like, quiet time feels legalistic. I don't want (laughs) to do it. You're telling me I have to do this specific thing in a specific time in the morning and it needs to look like this and that's dumb. (laughs) Right? So there's all those like little triggers that I think Christians have that feel legalistic or they would call legalism. Well, as I've gotten into womanhood, right? I love my quiet time. It's so precious to me. And it's literally like drinking water or eating bread. Like I have to have this sustenance. But my 15, 16-year-old self would have been like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> You're so I have legalistic. to call it something else. I call it. You do. I was going to say, I was going to say Candy calls it something else. I feel that deeply. But it's funny to hear you say it because I make my kids do it. Oh, so yeah. I wonder if I need to be careful. So I'm not, no, I wonder if I should. No one ever it. made me do it. I, but I'm a PK. Oh, I make my kids do it. Okay. I'm a PK. So I'm triggered like in very specific ways. That I think it's sense. great. I will make my kids do it too. <laughs> but because we're teaching them about rule of life. But there's lots of stuff like this. Like what, how, how are you fasting as a family? I mean, There's a great author, Andy Crouch, I love. They fast from technology one hour a day, one day a week, one week a a year. I'm writing Um, this all down. I love this. (laughs) But there's lots of things like that. And so I'm I'm really working through, like, what is the structure I'm hanging my life on? What's the structure I'm teaching my kids to hang their life on? Yeah. And that all feels, to some that would feel very legalistic, but I'm diving in so excited and rejuvenated by these these sort of systems and rules, for lack of a better <laughs> word. And that's a weird place for me to be, but I'm excited yeah. about it. Yeah. Ah, see, and I, I totally hear what you're saying, Amy. And I, what sounded like rules when we were children, <laughs> now as adults, we can see like my Jesus time is not a rule. It is a choice that I make and it makes me feel better. Just like eating healthy and exercising makes me feel better. I don't have to do those things, but when I choose to do those things, I will feel better. I will be a better version of me. That's what I was telling the kids the other day. I I made them do my Jesus time with me and they were like, uh, and I was like, listen, I will be a better version of myself if you guys let me do this. So let's just, just be quiet. And, um, but I, I understand like I would not a PK, but, um, because big sins that I walked through in my young adult life, um, I am traumatized by a legalistic church. And I recently have been dealing with it in my own heart um, because it's like a specific church that the legalistic stuff in. So I have like this great dislike for just that church. And I don't mm. think that's kind or okay. And so I'm like working that through in my own. But it's hard, right? Yeah. Hurt. Treated badly and hurt. Candy, as you were talking, I w- actually before when you both were talking, I was thinking that a big problem with the way American church is being done right now, I think lends itself to legalism because we have all these people with really big platforms that are telling people, this is how to be a Christian. And then 
so automatically it's legalistic almost because it's kind of just like it's disregarding how Jesus actually did ministry, which was elbow to elbow, side to side, day in, day out in relationship. And so what I hear you saying, Amy, is it is your practice to live a godly life. And it's not somebody saying, do A, B, C, D, E, F, G. You guys are in relationship walking out God's rule for life. And and so it's not legalistic. So, you know, as I've been walking out, how is church supposed to be? American church, a lot of them, almost all of them are accidentally leading towards legalism because Hmm. you preach on a Sunday, this is what you need to do to walk with the Lord. But we kind of forget, no, like we have to be with each other. We have to get into the word and we have to walk together. And so like there's very few pastors right now that I've like, I, I listened to so many people and I was being triggered so bad because I was like, this person's telling me how to live. This person's telling me how to live. This person's telling me how to live. And they all have million dollar platforms for like how you will live your best life in Jesus. And I think lately I've been listening to Judah Smith and he doesn't give you a formula. He's just like, Jesus loves you. Oh, and like you're just so wanting to understand how he understands that love. Like he weeps when he preaches about how much Jesus loves him. And I want to get there. I I want to I want to erratically obey Jesus because I radically love him and I'm not there yet. And I think like reading the book, I was just like, man, she could have just lit the thing and lived and then like, <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't know. So and and I don't want to be lukewarm. So I've just this whole topic, I was just like, Lord, you know, sanctify me, refine me, do these like help me to love you with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind so that I can be obedient to you because I want to. I want you know, like like your kids. Like I'm sure um your girls are at that age where they're like Mommy, you know, like, I mean, maybe they're already going into that hard stage, but there's a sweet stage in toddlerhood when your kids are like, oh, you know, you're like, oh, mom, don't do that. And they're like, okay, mommy, like, like they want to like do definitely. everything. <laughs> they yeah. are definitely, they're not always obedient, but they are there in that place. They're of, at that place absolutely. where they want to do what you, like, they long to make you happy. Yeah. And I want to be like that. Um, but yeah. nobody can tell me do X, Y, Z and you'll be there. That makes yeah. me resentful. It makes yeah. me angry. It makes me... And, and well, so, and that doesn't work either. So I'm... It doesn't. Yeah. So it, it's just each of us fearfully trembling. God, what does it look like to love you this way? Would you be real to me so that I can walk with you? Would you show me, shine a spotlight on my life and show me the things that aren't pleasing you? So I don't know. It's just such a good topic because it's it's mm. really what we always say. It just goes back to heart posture. Yeah. And well, I think and, we can only do it together. Yeah. And relationship. I love that we keep, that word keeps coming up. Yeah. And it came up in last week's episode, too, because it really is the way we're designed. I mean, yeah. if someone you're in deep relationship with, I call these people people that have permission to speak into my life because you can't give everyone that permission. It's really important. Yeah. So but people that have permission to speak into my life with definitely you two. If you guys came to me and said, hey, this is happening and I see that it's hurting you and it's not good for you. And you need to know that that's not what Jesus like that would how different would that conversation go than just some random person. Right. Condemning me. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. someone in church just walking up to you. Relationship. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but last night that made me you were talking about my girls. So I heard from 
Tim Mackey, who is the guy who does Bible Project. He has an interview also from Reality San Francisco. They did an interview with him. And they were asking, hey, how did you teach your children about the Bible? You know the Bible. It's your whole life's dedicated to Bible literacy, biblical literacy. How are you teaching your boys? He said, well, I actually, they're nine and 11. And the nine-year-old still, I do not have Old Testament conversations with. The 11-year-old, I've just started teaching him about the Old Testament. I decided, and he's like, is a question mark whether or not this will work. But I decided when they were little, there was no framework to talk about the violence and the justice part of God mm. in the Old mm. Testament. There was just no way to do it. And we had to start in the love of Jesus. So all of my conversations have all been centered around stories of Jesus, mm. their whole lives. Stories of Jesus, God's love, Jesus is who Jesus is, his grace and mercy. And now, as I'm talking to my 11-year-old about Old Testament violence, we have a framework now for how who who God is that starts in love. And I was like so moved by that whole idea because it, we yeah. all do like the superhero Old Testament approach. Yeah. We're like Daniel and Well, you yeah, know, the stories like, are cool. <laughs> yes, oh, they're so cool. And and like when you're a Bible nerd, you love the Old Testament. <laughs> so I while I'm not gonna we're not gonna eliminate Old Testament conversation, Chad and I decided this is a really long explanation. It, I love anyway. it. I love it. It makes sense. I'm driving with you. I decided, <laughs> we decided that I'm going to bring in the sort of the feminine side of God in my story. So I'm going to, I'm going to center my storytelling around Jesus. And Chad's going to center his storytelling around the Old Testament, the masculine side. And we're going to sort of like meet in the middle there because he loves telling the kids Old Testament stories. And so I was, I'm like, this is a really cool approach. So last night I'm doing my new habit of sitting down with them before bed, they get to pick their own books, but then I open up the Bible to somewhere in the Gospels and we talk about a Jesus story. We were talking about obedience. I don't remember which story in the Bible we were talking about, but Mallory looked up to me and she said something about like, because God wants obedience. And I was like, oh my gosh. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> we need more Jesus right now. Oh no. I said, why do you think that is? You know? And she's like, because he loves us. I'm like, yes, that is the answer. But then I like I spent time really diving in with them about this obedience idea because I don't want to raise so psychopaths. <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, but like it doesn't every child need to understand obedience is not about like following rules or whatever. Obedience is like well, a heart posture. Yeah. It's like this, 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 it's, it's Jesus's deep desire for us to live a life that is fulfilling and that isn't in, in in relationship with him. So anyway, it was just it reminded well, me of that Well, if you think story. of it from the perspective of they're four <laughs> and why do they need to obey yes. mommy and daddy? Because you guys love them and you give them rules for their good. So if they're equating God the same way, I'm sure they're not thinking of obedience the way we're hearing it. But I love that no. she was like, we have to obey. I love it. <laughs> I wonder if we and can get they, her to oh, say it and use it as a clip. <laughs> they like, they know what to say back to me, you know, like obedience because God loves us. Be, you know, I'm obedient because mommy, you know, mommy makes me be obedient because mommy loves me. They know what to say, but obviously they don't understand right. it yet. So it's like, oh, I'm like, oh gosh, we got to come back to this conversation. Of, but what does that mean? <laughs> Doesn't oh mean I gosh. might get spanked, right? No. It's like, no, it's like, it's another reason. <laughs> Hearing you talk about how they framed the New Testament only, I wish I could go back and do it that way now. Because my kids are 13 and 11. 
But, you know, we grew up with like the final graphs and like all the Old Testament and God's going to smite you, mighty smiter. And I feel like that probably is where a lot of my triggers are and why it is hard for me to, I don't, and as you were saying it, it was just like, God's like, yes, this is why you doubt my love for you sometimes. And I am always having to repent of that because I'm like, do you love me? I, I'm like one of these people that is like, well, why did God <laughs> do that? Why did God make it so that we have free will then? So we're not robots. But why did he make this plan where we have to suffer so much because yeah. he gave us free will and we messed it up? I mean, I'm constantly like, but why did you have to drive us to the yeah. death? I don't know. Yeah. I'm like, no, Nikki, I would why? encourage why? you why, why? <laughs> askers are the best people for so many reasons. But for one, that you. you're going to go totally. the deepest with Jesus. People who just go to church on Sunday and hear right whatever the pastor's saying. And I'm not saying it's not good, but you're, it's good. But no, it's good. The, the why askers, the people who yeah. are digging into the Bible and trying to understand and go deeper, those are the people that are going to be growing. Thank you. Oh, yeah. I have me. been I have been stunted by my own natural desire to just like be a rule follower <laughs> my whole life. It takes me a lot. It Seriously. I totally agree with you, Candace. I think that it's taken me up in, into my adulthood to be like, oh, I can, I need, I have yeah. to ask these questions because it's what I need to do to yep. know God more. I can't just, I yeah. could live my life. I remember. Not that way, but no, it it's not as fun. as fun. It's not as interesting. You're not going to learn things. We've been learning so much just this year, guys. So much. Oh my gosh. The firstborn yeah, stuff. Yeah. I mean, so and much. the Elohim. So I'm much. loving all the, and I love growing and knowing him mm. more. There's always more to know and yeah. And I love asking why, yeah. if for no other reason. <laughs> I love Don, that. I love that. I was just going to say Don hates the why, the why people, the people. Oh, my gosh. My whole walk with God is a why. But my daughter is like you, Amy. She is just like, she just has a deep understanding of what's right and what's wrong. She's very principled <laughs> for a little 11-year-old. Like, But I can see how that can grow if not. It's good that I'm her mom. Because I, yeah. I'm so pleased yeah. that she has that, but I also can see that she tries to put it on other people. Like, we're constantly battling her with my son because she's constantly like, he's doing, he's wrong. Like, she puts her morality on everybody else. And it is legalistic because it's not from a heart of wanting them to be <laughs> correct with the Lord. It's You're just wrong. Like, no, yeah. They're just You're wrong. just wrong. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So I'm going to have to, I have already started having hard conversations with her, but I'm, I get triggered by that. So it's an area in my parenting where I'm like, how do I just say, you're just mean. I'm kind of like, I'm having to figure out how do you parent a principled child? Because I'm like, you're just legalistic. And I I mean, I haven't told her that, but I'm just like, this little girl needs to chill out. <laughs> I'm like, I don't like it. I don't like it. I have the opposite problem. I have like a mini Chad or a mini mm-hmm. Nikki in Mallory and I'm like so principled and I'm like, I don't understand you, um, but I'm going to try really hard. Today or in that, in the, I keep alluding to David Bennett, who is the Oxford theologian, who's the gay man who's celibate. Okay. He said, and he was quoting some other theologian. So I'm going to totally butcher all of this. Just go listen to it. I'll link it. Essentially that in nature, we can't understand everything. We don't we're constantly trying to understand. So why is it that we think that we can look at the Bible and just understand it? Mm. There will be things. It's 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 written and it's a revelation from the same God who created the earth. There is so much we will yeah. never understand. 
And it is a constant like work to to take time with it and meditate and it's good. understand it. And oh, I had never heard that before. And I thought that was that's so cool. Yes. I'm, into I'm into it. it. I'm into it too. <laughs> Damn. This was a fun one, guys. Yeah. This was. I really enjoyed this topic. It's just yeah. So just love people. Find some people yes. to walk with. Yes. I know. I I don't know how to like what I want to say to end it. Do it. I, I want to hear. Mean, I, th- I think we've said everything. Relationship. And I think we <clears throat> as Christians, all of us can have moments of legalism, some maybe more than others. And we just have to be so careful. You'd never know for the There's a scripture about that. Our, our words caught yeah, I I have to find it, but what we say matters. So we have to be make sure everything is yeah. through the lens of Jesus. I don't think you're gonna hate us after this one. This was a good one. <laughs> you're probably gonna hate us, but of course. <laughs> you're gonna love us. <laughs> Bye guys.